Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Color, a podcast about owning your identity and engaging in your community. I'm here today with Kat. She's an electrical engineer at NASA who let nothing stop her from achieving her dreams. I found Kat on Instagram. She's got an incredible Instagram page with over 25,000 followers, where she encourages young women in STEM fields. Kat chased down her dream of working as an engineer at NASA, and now she's encouraging others to do the same. I had a wonderful conversation with her, and I hope you enjoy it. Okay, perfect. Well, hi, Kat. Welcome to Color. I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you so much for being so generous with your time. Um, Tell me about NASA. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I honestly, it's been such a interesting ride for me because it's been something that I've wanted basically all my life. Mm -hmm. I've known about NASA since I was a little girl. So being here now, and especially with the landing that just occurred, which was my first mission, my first NASA mission. Oh, wow. Congrats. Yeah. It's such a weird feeling because I was used to growing up and seeing those press releases and seeing those conferences, but being a part of it for the first time was definitely so different. Like watching the landing. I just, I was about to cry the whole time. It was such a huge relief. <laughs> uh-huh. That's incredible. I can't imagine watching that and, and also having some ownership over it and seeing it. That's yeah. amazing. It's, it's different. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how did you get into engineering? Where did that start? For me, so mm. I've always been exposed to it. My dad is mm-hmm. an electrical engineer as well. Um, so it's, always been around in my life Mm -hmm. but it wasn't really something that I was particularly interested in as a kid I I had the questions you know I had questions that that I would ask myself like about electricity how does this work how does that work um cameras I was fascinated by cameras and I just I was so curious about how they work right I would look at a camera taking a picture and I would just think how how is it possible that we're doing this how did we as humans figure out how to do this Hmm. or tv right all the things that we we would use on a daily basis I would really truly think about these things as you know just something that I really wanted to figure out how it was done But at the time when I was younger, I didn't really connect the dots uh, with engineering. You know, when you're a kid, you don't really necessarily think about these things, especially when you've been exposed to it all your life. It's kind of just something that that is that is normal. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but I will say that I was necessarily encouraged. Um, you know, my dad is an engineer, but he wasn't necessarily encouraging me. He wasn't, you know, trying to get us into engineering. And so it was definitely one of those things where I got to it, even though I was exposed to it, I got to it completely on my own regardless in high school, actually. Uh-huh. So when I, when I took my physics classes, I fell in love. I finally was like, I don't think oh most people goodness. say that when they take physics. That's <laughs> yeah, really yeah. interesting. <laughs> well, especially because, you know, it was hard. Like it was really hard for me. Yeah. It was, I think it was the first time that a class was genuinely so difficult for me where I felt like, okay, I can't just get by in here. I really need to, you know, put everything I have into this class. And mm-hmm. I really wasn't doing that well, but oh, I yeah. loved it. I think, I I think that's it. a big thing with like, engineering like I remember saying that engineering was really hard and people thinking that I would switch to something else and it was like no I don't love it less because it's hard like I think a lot of engineers inherently like that challenge for sure a hundred percent yeah and especially like I had said I hadn't really reached a class yet that had actually truly challenged me in the way that physics did Mm-hmm. so when we got to the electricity and magnetism section I was like oh my goodness I don't understand any of this I love it <laughs> I love that I need to get it yeah and so how did how did NASA come up what was your road to NASA so I have always been interested in space mm-hmm. space space and electricity had been big questions that I've had since I was a child and so I always knew that no matter what I chose for my future, that I wanted it to have to do with space in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, when I decided that I wanted to do engineering, it wasn't, oh, I'm going to do electrical engineering. It was, I'm going to do electrical engineering because I want to work on electronics for space missions. Mm-hmm. That was my goal from the very beginning. So when I was at UCLA and I was getting closer to that, my, I had all these alternate plans, right? I was like, okay, I'm going to apply to NASA. If I don't get it, then I'm going to apply here, get some experience and then apply to NASA. And then if I still don't get it, then I'll go here, get some more experience, then apply to NASA. (laughs) So that was my goal from the very beginning. And um, I applied a bunch of times to JPL. I did everything I could. So I went to a career fair. I went to another career fair. I went to a conference, talked to them there. I went to a different conference, talked to them there. And each time I got a little bit better because the first time that I talked to them, I just, I don't even remember what I said. I completely blanked, mm-hmm. but it takes some practice. And I didn't hear back for five months. Wow. So after, yeah, it was a long time. And I didn't really understand at the time, but now that I've been a part of the hiring process you know there's essentially like a lot of different organizations do it where you submit your application but you're essentially just submitting into a resume pool Mm -hmm. so that's why it's really difficult because when your resume pool has what 200 resumes someone is not really going to sort through all of them and you know that they, they just don't have the time and the truth is that a place like JPL and NASA in general gets so many applications. 
So it just takes a long time and mm -hmm. it takes a lot of reapplying to try to get your name back up on, on that pile and getting your face in front of somebody who might vouch for your resume. And that's essentially what ended up happening is that my resume ended up in a different pile from one of the conferences that I went to. Mm -hmm. And so later on, when somebody months later, when somebody was looking for an intern, somebody from that conference was like, oh, well, I have these resumes. These people were pretty good. And so I got an interview. Um, I have never done research as much as I did for this interview. I prepared <laughs> so much. Yeah, I wrote an entire Word document of everything they could possibly ask me about my resume, yes. elaborating on every single little thing. Mm -hmm. um, all of my projects, I wrote a bunch of things that I wanted to make sure I mentioned so I wouldn't forget. I expanded on the complexity of different projects, the different tools that I used, um, lessons learned. I just, I did the most for that. And then after that, I did research on the current missions that they were working on. And then I did research on the person that was interviewing me. And was it an, an intense interview when you finally got there? Or? Was it a what? Was it intense, the interview, when you finally got there? I, I mean, it's okay. It was and it wasn't. I think mm -hmm. that I was so prepared that I, I had it, you know? Oh, that's great. Yeah. But at the same time, it just, it felt like everything was, on this right like all my oh, yeah. eggs are on this basket in this very moment and that's a very stressful feeling yeah but I think that this interview truly made the absolute difference for me because I was actually interviewing for a position in software and I'm not a software engineer I didn't apply for a software position but that's what they reached out to me for so I was like you know I'm gonna give it what I got I do I do program even though that's not necessarily what I want to do, I need to just give this opportunity everything I have. Mm -hmm. And they liked my interview so much that they actually opened up a separate position in electronics for me. Wow. Um, so I got to join the team in that way. And that's why it's so important for me to emphasize, like the interview is so, so, so important even when you're interviewing for something maybe totally different, you know, I've had friends who, who have told me that from that interview, it went so well that they decided like, you know, you're too qualified for this position. Let me offer you this other one or have positions completely made up for them. You know, this isn't a one-time case that's happened to me. I know that it's definitely happened. So the interview is so, so important. For sure. And can you tell me a little bit about um, a little more about JPL specifically and what they do? Yeah. So JPL is a NASA lab, but it is a little bit different because even though we are considered a NASA center, we're more of a contracted center because we belong to Caltech University. Hmm. Um, so we belong to Caltech and then we take care of a bunch of different NASA missions, but we primarily work with robotic missions and planetary exploration. Um, That's what JPL does? Oh, wow. I didn't yes. know. 
interesting. Yeah, yeah. So our primary focus is planetary exploration, and we also explore different moons. Um, so we're just really interested in finding out more things about our solar system, our neighboring planets, their moons. And we do that through different means. It could be orbiters, it could be landers, it could be rovers. Um, typically, the order will be first uh, an orbiter and then a lander and then a rover if possible. I didn't know so that. That's why Mar Mars is so advanced by now because, you know, we, we've been there for quite a bit. But for example, we have the Europa Clipper mission, which is an orbiter. And then we had a lander plan, which is basically kind of just shelved waiting to hear back about the orbiter, if everything went well, if, if it's worth going back and sending a lander to, to learn more. So that's kind of the goes, way. The lander goes and gets information from the orbiter and then? No, typically what, what will happen is if we send an orbiter and this orbiter determines like there's some really cool stuff here, I think it would really be worth it to actually go and land on this body, mm. um, then we have some more of uh, backup, right? When we're asking for funding <laughs> for the mission. Wow, that's so interesting. And and tell me about, um, I know being an engineer myself, being a woman of color in the field, I myself have dealt with imposter syndrome a lot in both my academic en endeavors and in my professional endeavors. How have you dealt with it? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've definitely experienced it for sure, especially when I first started. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that when I first started at JPL as an intern, it was when I had it the worst oh, because yeah. I it was my first real job. I worked in research labs and held other similar type positions, but I had never really had a job where my tasks were specifically engineering and specifically this has to work because we're going to use it to to test the spacecraft mm -hmm. <laughs> so I think that at the time I really let that get to my head a lot and mm -hmm. I definitely felt an overwhelming sense of kind of distrust in myself at the beginning I had never really done something like this before. So I didn't know, I wasn't sure if I could actually do it. And I remember there were some really difficult times where I would drive to work and I would just sit in my car for 15 minutes and just dread going inside because I was like, ah, today is the day when they're going to realize that I haven't really gone far in this project, that I don't really know what I'm doing in this project. Um, my time is going to end and I'm not really going to finish. I don't know what I'm going to do. And so these are all yeah. kind of just these thoughts that I was having that were really toxic at the time. And, um, that is such a relatable experience though. Like, like personally, I recently got handed a bigger project at work and it's like, like, I am literally the only girl in the lab and I'm like, Oh God, I have to take this on. Like, they're going to be like, who's this little girl? Like, yeah. trying to talk in these meetings like oh god so I I feel that wow and so yeah, how did that work difficult. out well you know what what ended up happening is I just little by little kept doing more right so add a little more ask question here get that answer make a little more progress ask another question here and make a little more progress I think a lot of it had to do with me not understanding 
what the real life work environment is actually like. When we're at school, we are really sheltered from the real world because we get projects, we get assignments, and we're told you are going to do this 100% on your own. And then sometimes when you go to office hours and you try to ask questions, they're like, oh, no hints, oh, no yeah. cheating, no hints. That's not how it works when no. you're actually working in a group. So, you know, I was like, I have to do this project, no hints. Like, I can't, I, I can't ask them. They're not going to tell me. <laughs> Those are the things I, I had in my head. <laughs> That's so cheating if I ask them. Yeah, actually, a friend told me recently that he was at work and um he he asked his his manager or boss or someone um how to do a certain task and they were like Google it and he was like oh okay <laughs> so there's that which in engineering school is a big joke because they tell you like you can't use Google yeah you can like <laughs> yeah exactly so that's kind of what happened that I at the 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 curtain was lifted right like that's not what engineering is we are a team we're a group it benefits everybody for them to help me because this part of the project is something that we need for the overall mission so that's what I started to realize that I'm not alone in this if I don't know something I'm in a room full of world experts I can go and ask somebody and let me tell you some of these uh Uh, older engineers at work like they should have been professors because they are amazing at explaining so I feel so lucky Mm -hmm. to be surrounded by all of these brilliant minds and that's kind of when I started to realize I am not alone in this first of all I even if I don't know it that doesn't matter because that doesn't mean I can't learn it yeah so that's sort of when I started to shed all of that and since then, I really haven't gone back because every time I get a new project and it looks, you know, you know, that meme of like all the equations, <laughs> you're looking at it like that. <laughs> but then you slowly start to, uh, to uncover it. You slowly start to peel it. You ask a question here. You understand it a little bit better. I love that feeling now because I know no matter what I am given, that I'm going to be able to figure it out because I've been able to do that all of those times in the past. Why would this yeah. be different? So that's kind of what I think about now when I get a project like that. Like, okay, don't freak out. Just, you know what you need to do, just do it. You'll get there. And I always do. Yeah. I think as I progressed in my own career, I realized that imposter syndrome is so much more an internal thing. I used to yeah. think it was externally something that was happening around me, but it's so much more your own projections. That's a huge realization. Well, that's so great. Um, I've got a mentor at my company and and she's higher up and, and she's a woman of color. And um, I got handed a project once that I was really excited for. And it was um, to handle um, maximizing a, a Trello board and, and organizing in the lab. And I was really excited because I really do think that organization drives efficiency. And so I do think that that's a really important thing. Um, but uh, I, I went to her and I was like, do you have any tips for this? Um, and she was really helpful. And then she was like, um, but remember that you were hired as an engineer, right? Um, this, all this organi- organization stuff, that, that that's not your engineering work. This should really be a side project. And she was like, often I see women of color be pushed into these like secretarial like roles into these organizing roles. And I was like, wow, I didn't even notice it because I, I was just so happy to have something handed to me that I was like, yes, this is my project that I'm going to make my own. 
Um, and so she reminded me to make sure that you you are establishing your own technical niche. Um, so can you tell me if you've experienced that at all and how you were able to establish your own technical niche? Yeah, I, I haven't really experienced it too much, but I think mm -hmm. a big part of that is that from the very beginning when I started, I kind of found myself trying to do some of these things, right? So for example, we work in a big lab and it's a whole bunch of us and sometimes it gets dirty. So at first I was like, okay, you know, maybe if I create some sort of little schedule for everybody, assign days to people, you know, this day you're responsible for this, this day you're responsible for that. Um, and I kind of like tried it out at first, but then I realized, okay, this is a lot of work. Nobody's really doing their thing when they're supposed to. And I'm just after everybody, this isn't even my job. Yeah. So after I realized that, I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm not going to yeah. take on these roles because it's so much extra work and it's free work, right? Because nobody told me to do this. I was just trying to take initiative and, and make a, a clean space for everybody. But at the same time, we have to realize we don't have to give ourselves all these extra random responsibilities. And so after that experience, I was very vigilant to not be put into that type of box mm -hmm. so if for whatever you know sometimes you're in the meeting and then somebody might ask you like oh like do you mind taking notes or can you be the note taker um that happened to me a lot while I was an intern but once I became a full-time engineer I was like okay enough no we're not doing this anymore uh, if you really want notes then take notes or you know you can use the different apps where it's voice recognition like figure it out so I think that I've been good about not putting myself into that kind of box but I know that a lot of people don't necessarily even notice like your story yeah. right you, you don't even notice it you don't no I was so, like I would be like take minutes sure of course I'll do anything you know yeah yeah <laughs> wow that's really like you asked me of course I'll do it yeah yeah wow and I think that ultimately has to do with your confidence in yourself really yes yeah and I think that this really came at a, a point in time where I was also just finishing to shed that imposter syndrome mm. so it definitely does relate because that extra confidence does give you that ability to speak up and to stand up for yourself because it does you do need that voice in order in order to do so it, it can be hard to say no mm -hmm. at the workplace mm -hmm. um it's no secret that college is hard on people's mental health especially right now with the pandemic um but engineering school especially can be very um at least when i was in school i remember on multiple occasions professors saying things like um it doesn't matter what's going on outside of the classroom when you come in here you you roll your sleeves up and you get it done it doesn't matter what your mental health is. It's very much um, the problem at hand, which is the test or whatever lesson that you're working on. Um, I remember one uh, particular situation, a professor saying, if an engineer messes up on their calculations, the bridge crashes or the, the bridge, you know, falls, the plane crashes. And I was like, this is just homework. <laughs> like this is a little... <laughs> um, So what has been your experience when you were in engineering school with mental health? I think that, so my experience was really difficult, mm -hmm. actually, 
And a lot of this has to do with, I think that it really did start younger for me. Mm -hmm. Because from a young age, since like I mentioned, my dad is an engineer and he was a very educationally controlling person. Mm. So, for example, when I was growing up, my you, we had to put our homework on my dad's desk and he would check it. If there was one thing wrong, he would erase the whole thing and we would have to do it all over again. Wow. So for a long time, I was kind of raised on this idea of perfection. Mm. And say I got a 99% on my test, right? I would come home, show it to my dad, and he would be like, well, this isn't 100 if I would come home with a test that was 100, he would be like, well, why not 110? So it was never good enough. And that's the way that I grew up where it kind of got to the point where when something was happening in my life, I was taught to deal with it by distracting my mind with my schoolwork and oh, yeah. other productive type things. Mm-hmm. So I got to the point where like, you know, it, it's, I was at community college. I was 18 years old. I got dumped by the boyfriend I had at the time. I had a physics test. I'm mm. over here in sunglasses, literally crying my eyes out, mm. doing my test. Cause this is like, you know, this is how I deal with my, my emotions. I just do my thing. I study, I do well. Yeah. I got a, I've never scored so well on the test like I did wow. on that test before and I was literally crying my eyes out while I did it wow. and to me it was like okay well this is good right because when something's going on I'm able to channel it into my work and when I got to UCLA that's the mentality I had where I was dealing with a lot of different things I was dealing with leaving home for the first time I was dealing with all of the pressure that came with having to have a certain GPA because I was on a scholarship. And if I lost the GPA, then I lose the scholarship. The pressure, I am the oldest in my family. So therefore I'm setting an example for my siblings. If I don't do well, are they gonna think, well, I, I'm not gonna be able to do that if she couldn't do it. Mm. Family back in Mexico, my family is the first to come to the United States. Are they gonna look at me as a woman trying to enter a tech field and? tell their daughters and cousins and aunts like we told you so you these things aren't for you we told you so I had all of that that I was dealing with Mm. and because of the way that I had grown up and what I was taught it was okay throw yourself into schoolwork a hundred percent everything you do has to be schoolwork and I burned out so fast I was just not in a good headspace I truly did nothing other than schoolwork. I stopped eating well. I, so for me, when I'm stressed or overwhelmed or trying to make more time for studying, what I would do is essentially cut out food because I don't have time to make food. I don't have time to walk over to get food. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. I would cut out on sleep. So I wasn't sleeping either. Um, and drinking a lot of caffeine. So that was just a recipe for disaster. I was in a terrible place. Like, I don't, I mean, I really don't remember a time in my life where things had been so dark for me before. Yeah. And at the same time, I'm entering a place where 
everyone is essentially comparing themselves to each other. Everyone is trying to be better than each other. I don't look like any of these people and I'm doing bad in school on top of like everything that I'm doing being schoolwork, I'm still doing bad. So it was overwhelming. It was completely overwhelming. And I really needed to realize that something needed to change if I was going to get out of here successfully or at all. Yeah. Um, And that's really when I realized, like, I need to take care of myself. That needs to be as much a priority as doing my homework on time. Mm -hmm. And when I started doing that, that's when everything changed for me. So what I started doing is I had a bedtime. And I was going to stick to that no matter what, unless it was, you know, test the next day. Mm-hmm. And I had a certain amount of hours of sleep that I was going to get no matter what I was going to eat no matter what. Um, and after I did that, my GPA went from a 2.7 to a 3.9. Wow. So my first quarter was a, a 2.7 and my last quarter was a, a 3.9. And I did not change anything other than for the first time in my life, telling myself and truly proving to myself that taking care of me was the most important thing that I could do. That's why I don't understand why they don't say that, like why they insist on like making it like your grade is your self-worth. Cause I'm like, if you don't teach that, if you teach people that their self-worth has nothing to do with the grades that they get, that it comes from within, they will literally do better. You know, yeah. to me, it seems so weird. I remember I struggled a lot in school. I struggled with my mental health um, and I and I didn't do well. I, I really, really had a hard time. And I remember I would work so, so hard though. And I would, you know, get a C on an exam. Yeah. I remember I would like, I would get help and, and professors would literally be like, well, you're not studying enough. And it was heartbreaking to, to work so hard and to only get this grade. And then to have somebody say, you're not doing enough. And I was like, I haven't slept in days like, when you have no everything. more hours in your day and feel yeah. like they're telling you it's yeah. not enough and yeah. I hear you when you say that you like you cut out food because I remember like a time when I was like I, I can't eat I can't I, I barely have time to like use the restroom like there's no time there's no time you have to study nonstop. and I remember when I did get out of that and when I started treating myself better being like why did I think that I should skip me? yeah like, like it's crazy it's crazy when like you look the, at the most important things that we need as humans to function those are the first things we cut out like I it really messes with you it really does what do you think schools can do better I definitely think that there is a lot of unnecessary pressure and there are a lot of lies being told sure so you know, I remember being so scared about going out into industry because of all the different stories I had heard from professors or from different faculty about you can't like your homework needs to be perfect. I'm hard on you because you need to be perfect when you're out in the industry. Mm-hmm. There are no C's, there are no B's like you need to have a 100 percent. But what they failed to mention is that you're not alone when you're out in industry and there are drafts 
Like, it's not like you're going to be put into a room and you're going to be told design an airplane right here, right now you have three hours yeah. and this airplane that you design in these three hours by yourself with no textbooks, with no computer, with no help, just your brain alone and no formulas either, just whatever you remember, that's what we're going to build. And that's what we're going to go put people on. Like, that's not how it yeah, That's never happened ever in the history of engineering. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But they put so much unnecessary pressure and stress on you that, like you yeah. said, it just, it doesn't help at all. I have severe test anxiety, but give me a homework assignment. Give me, you know, a comfortable space to work and I am on it and I will do amazing work, mm-hmm. but put me in a room for one hour and tell me that this test, however I do on this test is going to determine whether I can even move on my degree. Yeah. Like any person is not going to do better on that than if you were to give them a comfortable place to work, which is what we are supposed to have when we are actually doing real projects. So I think that that unnecessary stress and fear that is being put to students and being pitted against each other, right? Like, we're going to compare all of you to each other and the average of the class is going to be the average. So all of that stuff, that's really not how it works. And I think that it's giving a lot of people a really false idea of what engineering actually is. So I get so many messages from people saying, I'm not doing well at all in school. I always feel like I'm below average. I always feel like everybody else is better. I am really bad at taking tests. I don't know if I'm going to be a good engineer. And that has nothing to do with being an engineer. Mm -hmm. So I honestly, I, we need to just tear it all down. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I, um, I think about like my workplace today and like your boss cares about your mental health, right? Because a better like health state, you're going to do better work. So if you need a mental health day, take one it's encouraged, you know, like you shouldn't be killing yourself over your work. You shouldn't be like hating work and, and it shouldn't be taking out of you like a lot of energy, you know, it shouldn't be leaving you just like completely exasperated, which Mm -hmm. is how college is. I, I, I am still dumbfounded after four years of engineering school, why they, um, keep normalizing this unhealthy working environment for no reason. It's simply, it simply does not exist today. Um, but you, you've also been really open on social media about your health and about feeling like um, the need to pose and, and, and you came out and you were really honest and you talked about it. What made you feel like it was time to speak up? I think that for many years in my life, I was still stuck on that mentality of needing to portray perfection. Mm-hmm. So and this goes back to what I had said about the way that I was raised, right? I needed to be this perfect person. I needed to have perfect grades. I needed to go to the perfect schools and get the perfect jobs. That was just what was expected of me since childhood. Mm-hmm. And when I started to become more public on social media, I realized I have a really big responsibility here because I have thousands of people who are looking at my content, reading my content. And if I am not helping them feel better, feel less alone, feel understood, then why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Like I'm not doing this because I just want people's attention and I want people's likes and I want people to think I'm amazing. 
that's not what my platform is for. And in order to do that, I needed to truly, you know, just bear and bear everything and be honest, Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to posts, because even though I was really trying to be open and vulnerable and honest with people, there is still that part of me that needed to portray like, oh, everything's fine. Everything's good. Here I am still posing. Um, And then that post that you're talking about, I had just had a surgery two weeks before, but I had a I had a deadline that I given myself, which is ridiculous now, (laughs) now that I think about it, of when I was going to post, what I was going to post, I had a schedule for things, and I needed to meet my schedule, right, at the time, and so I couldn't even get up because I had fresh wounds from my surgery. I had uh, one of my ovaries removed. And so I have kind of like a a C-section type scar. So it's pretty long in my abdomen. And two weeks later, I could really barely stand without help. I really, I could walk, but pretty much just to the bathroom. And still I sat myself up. I put my tripod on, took a picture and posted an Instagram picture. Um, Like everything was fine. Mm -hmm. And one year later, when it was one year anniversary, I looked at that picture and I was like, this is so stupid. Like, why, why did I feel the need to do this? Mm-hmm. I even put on makeup, I remember. Um, and I was like, literally that whole, those two weeks I had just been in bed, you know, resting from my surgery. I put on makeup, took my picture. I hurt myself a little bit. So I had to go back and rest. And it was just so important for me to call out myself and to call out my own behavior as well, because part of growth is understanding the things that you've done wrong. Mm. And so it's really important for me as part of my journey and part of my growth to be honest with myself too. And to backtrack, if something that I have done you know what it was potentially damaging or hurtful to somebody else because posting that and saying like oh you know I just had my surgery and I'm really glad that I finally get to rest and I'm over here posing like everything's fine and I remember people were saying to me how do you look like that after a surgery how is it possible that you look like this after a surgery and so to them maybe it was well when I had a surgery I was in bed for a whole month and I couldn't even get up I could barely eat I was needed help and that was my reality too so that's why it was so important for me to call myself out and be like no that that was me trying to continue to fit onto perfection even though I'm preaching honesty and vulnerability so let me be vulnerable open and honest now that person that you saw was not the reality so it's really important for me just as I go on and continue to share everything about my experiences that I also continue to be honest about parts of my life that I may have shared that now I'm like okay that was not right let's fix that wow 
Well, thank you so much, Kat, for being here and for being so honest and open. I love your Instagram and I love what you do. And, and just thank you so much for speaking up. I know it's not always easy, most definitely to be so open, but I, I think it's really, it really can make a difference in the world. And especially for young women in engineering, it's really important. So can you tell us where we can find you? Definitely. So my Instagram handle is K-A-T underscore E-C-H-Z. And then I have a YouTube channel. So you can just search Kat Echazaretta. So my last name is kind of crazy. <laughs> E-C-H-A-Z-A-R-R-E-T-A. Uh-huh. And that is my YouTube channel. I also have a TikTok. So that will be electric underscore Kat. Ooh. <laughs> Well, yeah. thank you for being here. Thanks for sharing. Um, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you so much for having me. You too. Have a good night. You too. Thank you so much for listening to Color. If you like this episode, please consider leaving a review. It helps people find the podcast. You can keep up with the show on Instagram at color underscore podcast. And you can now support the show and join the Color community on Patreon. See you next month for another episode. Until then, take care of yourself. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.